Greetings, greetings, and welcome back to the Higher Play Podcast. My name is Ahi. I'm also known as Dr. Myra Sabir. I'm your co-host. Not only do I research, write, and teach about the ways humans change emotionally across the lifespan, as I have for the past 30 years, I also usher people across the first critical threshold in human emotional development. My co-host is my daughter, Zuri. She will introduce herself now. Hi, y'all. I am Zuri. I have been a healer myself for about 13 years, uh, specializing in birth education, birth support as a doula, as well as laying hands, as we say in the South of the USA, uh, as a Reiki practitioner. I'm here because I'm excited to explore the precious exact moments when life changes from challenge to play and, um, and all the tools that guide us to, to that that delicious <laughs> way of living. So welcome again to, to the Higher Play podcast. The title of today's podcast is Your Body is Your Best Barometer. And that title was chosen as a follow-up to some questions that we raised in the last podcast. So in the last podcast, we raised a few questions um, around this concept of higher play, which I think of as similar to what Zuri just said, um, as, a, as the joy of moving through this life in ways that detect and optimize one's unique opportunities in any given moment. <laughs> higher play. So one of the questions was, from last time was, how does one know which decision is right in any given moment? And in thinking about that, I kind of rephrased it to say, how does one sense which decision is right in any given moment? So the word no, right, has a kind of, I don't know, finality to it. It kind of sits still in one place. <laughs> and we want to know sometimes, right? There's some things we want to know, like you want to know that your friends have your back. You don't want to be second guessing whether or not your friends are, fr are friends, right? But the word sense has a different quality. It, it, is, um, it has an attention that is alive. You know, it's sort of reading a moving energy, right? We detect all the time with our five senses. You know, we see, smell, taste, touch, hear. But this is more at detecting the quality of energy. Like what energy do I detect in my body when I see that or smell that or taste that or touch that or hear or read or think that, right? So it's attending to the energy in the body. And I'm suggesting that an enhanced degree of body sensitivity can help us to know which decision is right in any given moment. I'm going to emphasize, I am emphasizing that you only need to, to attend to your own body. What you are detecting in your own body tells you everything you need to know about the best decision for you. It tells you how you are responding to the bodies around you, right? So this is about self-knowledge. Self-knowledge is the goal. Once you are quite accurate about what you are feeling, then you can decide usefully how you will respond to anyone else. So if you think about it, this is a really deeply empowering practice. It sort of puts you in the driver's seat. I encourage you to think about this and to maybe get a journal and start today to just note your body's changing entity over the course of the day. You know, how did my body respond to that interaction? Or, or you know, just through the day, start just noting it. No more than that. Just starting to note it is enough, right? I, I, when I'm, when I'm um, reading something, I actually stop and identify the specific emotion generated by what I'm reading. So right in the margins of all my books, if you were to see them, 
you would see that I always note the emotion I'm feeling. This is how I know how what I'm reading matters to me. I didn't say whether it matters to me, but how it matters to me. And I actually have a, a custom. If I start reading a book and if it doesn't start to move me emotionally right away, I stop reading. I think this one isn't for me, okay? So you can become 100% accurate about what is going on inside yourself, right? And come to be quite clear about what is right for you. And the more accurate you become at sensing your own energies, the more assured you will be in those decision, those decision moments. Your body really is very, very smart. It is a most brilliant barometer of where you are emotionally at any given time. So now I have to complicate this just a little bit, right? <laughs> It is very likely that your body's antenna will need to be reoriented. Uh, the antenna of 60% of adults in the United States are focused on attracting love and acceptance. Another way of putting this is that 60% of us maintain an exterior focus almost all the time. And that's likely, that's like about uh, what, three, every three fourth person you meet. When I say 60% of, of the people, that's not even every other person you meet. That's less than every other person you meet. And I'm here, my daughter and I are here because uh, of life writing, which redirects your attention from needing approval from others, the first side of this threshold, to needing to know yourself, the second side of this threshold. And when I say need, I literally mean need like you would need water in the desert. Right? Our first emotional task in life is to attract that deep and genuine love of another human. And you must remain on this task until it is accomplished. You don't really have a choice in the matter. Humans are built this way. If you doubt it, take a look at the still face experiment. You can, you can, you can uh, Google it or you can look at it on our website. And also take a look at the Rat Park experiment. Um, it's posted on our podcast page at www.thelifewritingproject.com. And those, those uh, short YouTubes are very powerful in clarifying how we function in terms of our need for the warmth of another human being. But on the first side of the threshold, your energy is directed toward gaining acceptance or belonging because that is what you genuinely need. On the second side, the belonging question is settled. Your energy is now directed toward discovering who you are, growing and evolving, expressing that unique beauty that is in you. You no longer walk around apologizing for your presence. You feel your right to be here <laughs> and your right to be yourself. Wherever you are, you belong. This is a huge shift in consciousness and I hope you sense it as, as well as I, I wish to convey it. It's a huge shift in consciousness. It's one of the two main ones in the, in the lifespan, uh, both of which we will discuss over time. Right now we're focusing on this first one, which life writing addresses. This shift is major because once you cross the threshold, there's no going back to the old needy self. And there is guaranteed, I did use the word guaranteed forward movement. There's a concept in psychology called prepotency. Uh, it's built into us. It's, 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 that, it's that which makes an acorn become an oak tree. It's in the acorn to do so. And you have that same energy to grow and become inside yourself. So once you get rid of that which prevents that, it's guaranteed that you'll move in that direction. So once you get enough of the right kind of human warmth, you're good to go. Until you do, you're stuck on the first side of the threshold. Life writing is designed to repair that. It is a structured process for resolving memories of low warmth in important relationships. 
It's for people who are not suffering from major depression or other serious mental illness. And I can talk more about uh, the safety of this sort of self-analysis in coming weeks, maybe next week. We'll see what my co-host wants to do. So on this first side of the threshold, others have to give you what you need. But on the second side of the threshold, you take over and you go after what you need. And you do that for the rest of your life. You know, sometimes my students ask me, how could it be like, you know, permanent change? You don't fall back. I say, well, your body changes permanently over a lifetime. It doesn't fall back, right? It's a one direction growth, just like your body. Um, um, so on the second side of the threshold, what you need now is what Maslow calls actualization. You've heard of self-actualization. And that is to learn why you are here and to give what only you can give. As my co-host said last time we did this podcast, your gifts bring you great joy, but only as you give them away. They are not meant just for you. There's a quote, your purpose is where your deep gladness and the world's great hunger meet. By Martin Buber, I've always liked that. So this too, this need for actualization is a true need, just like needing water in the desert. Um, there is a personal an unerring homing mechanism built inside you toward your actualization. There's something in you that wants to get you where you always knew you wanted to be. Your capacity to sense that homing mechanism, your capacity to tune into it though, is what you want to strengthen. And that's what this life writing is all about. On the first side of the threshold, you have to be preoccupied with satisfying your need to belong. You have to be preoccupied with gaining this basic sense of safety inside another human heart. On the second side of the threshold, the signal starts to emerge right on schedule. I mean, this is science after all, I am a scientist. And people just start, they just get going. I've watched it for three decades. You know, I did it, my daughter did it. Um, on the second side, you've shifted from feeling outside of life to feeling inside of life, from feeling fundamentally unsafe in this world to feeling fundamentally safe in this world. And I hope you can sense the beauty of that. Oh my gosh, the freedom of feeling safe in the world. This is where you enter flow. This is where you enter the current of the greater universe, right? And the signal just gets stronger and stronger over time. So I'm gonna wrap up my part and give my co-host a chance to talk. Um, before I do, I wanna share a couple of synchronicities this week. The first one happened this morning. Um, it's very quick. I had, I've been grappling with um, how to focus a project that I'm working on. And, you know, I've learned to just sort of let these things marinate because it always comes, you know, you know, I feel like the universe is doing me. I'm not really doing it. I just have to tune in and read what the universe is doing. So I always trust that it's going to come. Anyway, I was reading this morning, one of my, I have a, several morning rituals, and one of them is reading or studying. I study all kinds of things. A lot of them are spiritual readings, but some of them are not. And in three different of those readings, they were talking about the exact same thing. I kid you not. <laughs> and it precisely answered my question of how to focus this project. You know, I laugh because this is, this is, this is modus operandi for me, these, these synchronicities. The second one is you know how you know how you you know you have an ear in your head but you're not aware of it unless it's hurting or you have ten fingers and you don't think about them unless one of them is hurting. Well, in the in my lower belly, I started to be aware of that area and it wasn't necessarily pain, but it was like an awareness. So when I get an awareness in a part of my body, I it, I think, okay, what's going on? Do I need to pay some attention there? And I had been walking around with that awareness 
for a while. And I finally thought, hmm, okay, there's, I, you know, I started to recognize that that was a constant or a continuing. And then my daughter um, gets invited to um, be on the stage with Queen Afwa. And I don't know if you know Queen Afwa, but she is known worldwide for her work on Black women's womb health, specifically <laughs> in health in general, but her, 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 her claim to fame is her wisdom around Black women's womb health. And so my daughter ends up, she's in Ghana. She ends up sharing the stage with Queen Afwa. And of course I buy the book and I have been reading the book and I'm absolutely enthralled. It's way more than I expected. Oh my goodness, I love this book. Um, about the same time I was looking at my Instagram page and there was a book there called uh, The Lost Book of Herbal Remedies. And I see the cover and I think I, I have that book somewhere. I have a lot of those kinds of things. And I thought I have that book and I went looking and sure enough, I had it. And so I searched the index for um, womb health and there's pages and pages. I read them, I did what it said. I'm no longer aware of this part of my body anymore. So that was my, my second synchronicity. I'm not gonna share a dream today. I love to share dreams uh, because again, I think it's one of the ways I kind of, one of my signals for where I am and where I'm going. But I do wanna encourage you to look back at our last podcast to, to look at that one again. I think there's so much more there than we pulled out. You know, I think the concubine's attitude is worth thinking about. I think the humbling of the wife without hurting her was, was cool and something to think about. I think my need to not turn away, there's more in there, you know. So in my opinion, nothing makes a better conversation than a good dream. I, I, I actually use one in my life writing work and every group of eight, uh, every one of them has a different interpretation of that dream every single time. So yeah, if you wanna, you know, do something, something with that, take a look at that. Um, maybe you could discuss it with your friends. Maybe you could come in on our, on our, on our page at www.thelifewritingproject.com under podcasts or share a dream or synchronicity of your own. But uh, while you're there, please join our mailing list. So thank you. I'm going to stop now and give my co-host uh, the floor. Zuri, are you there? I'm here. And, um, you know, I, I was actually thinking about the dream that you mentioned last week and how powerful it was in terms of the imagery of um, recognizing an ugliness, right? Or, or uh, an ugliness in someone else or, or aggression pointed at you and not flinching in its presence, but you know, embodying a fullness about yourself that says, no matter what you bring to me, I can I can bring strength and I can bring love to it and I can bring myself, my true self to it. And that will, that one understanding of yourself is what shifts the entire equation, energetic equation of these difficult moments. Wow. So it's really about seeing uh, the ugly part of nature of ourselves and another, ourselves in general, mm -hmm. and not flinching from that. I think yes. the beauty of this work is that we get to see the full spectrum of the reality of living and we get to, you know, I guess in that adult perspective, say, I can handle it, right? Yes. It's not going to break me. And it's something that can change by being authentic. Right? Exactly. So I love that dream. <laughs> very, very, very strongly. So thank you for sharing that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, more. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we, we want to hear them all. <laughs> thank you. Um, but yeah, in terms of you know, how life writing has, has 
enriched my understanding and my intuition about what I need to move forward spiritually. I think that it does come from self-validation, from saying that no matter what the external world, external reality has to say about my truth, I know that it's what I need in this moment, that it's beautiful, and that my choice to honor myself and evolve myself in this moment somehow shifts everyone else's life around me, right? As opposed to the other way around, me shifting to please other people in their journey and never honoring myself. Somehow the world is less rich because of that choice, right? The, the, to, to mirror the external world as opposed to generating a new real part of myself in it yes. is a very real choice and a very cool moment where you get to say, oh, okay, I chose my uniqueness. I chose my power. I chose uh, to honor myself in this moment. And it shifted my reality and possibly the reality of other people's, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and I can think of a couple times when really poignant times um, that that's happened to me. The past couple of years, I have been what engaging in what I call spirit play or Cheza Rojo as it would be in Swahili um, or high play, which to me is self-honoring. In every instant, feeling my body, remembering my past, recognizing where I desire to go and making the right decision based on all of those factors. And then, you know, the external, what the external reality is telling me, you know, it's a one, two, three, four <laughs> process <laughs> for me. And it's led incredible places like this stage with Queen of Fua. I was pinching myself because I remember the moment when I chose to change Ghana from a visit, a destination, a brief destination to home. It was really a moment that stood out for me because people were confused about what I was doing. I was supposed to fly back with them. We had a whole system planned out and my body, my mind was telling me, no, you have something to do here. You have something to do here now. Something about freedom, something about self-exploration and it's going to lead to beautiful things. So when Queen Afua came to Ghana and when I was speaking to her, I just kept realizing that this was a product of self-honoring. And uh, and I'm noticing that my ability to self-honor is changing. Mm-hmm. So before it was always about what felt good. I would just do what felt good because I trusted what felt good was what needed to happen. Mm-hmm. And the more that I do that, I want to say I'm maybe years into just truly making that my practice of just honoring my body sensations. And if it says no, it says no, if it says yes, it says yes. And then I had a moment today where um, I just left a goddess retreat slash birthday celebration today. Mm-hmm. We went to a waterfall here in Ghana on Obosamase. I hope I'm saying that right. In Obosamase, a little bit past what is considered every mountain, a beautiful part of Ghana, full of waterfalls and abundant fruits and uh, sunshine and just gorgeous. And I almost didn't go. I, a part of my body sensation and body understanding comes from spending a lot of time alone, a lot of sort of hermit activity and turning in inward. And I often choose that over going out with others and communing and sharing my gifts with others especially other women, it's, it's something that's sort of foreign to me. I was an only child that spent a lot of time alone. So I, a lot of my strength comes from, uh, you know, yeah, honoring time to myself. 
And so I had a moment today where I said, well, it feels good to stay home. I'm, I'm, you know, working out a lot. I'm spending a lot of energy and a lot of different things. And I really wanted to pull into my usual shell. And I realized that that was self-honoring, but then also recognizing that socially uh, networking and those kinds of things call me to push my boundaries, to honor a different level of evolution in myself. So I just think it's cool that my, my Cesarojo is holding itself accountable now. <laughs> it's saying, <laughs> okay, it's good, but a lot of that feels good because it's a usual, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a tool that you used when you were wounded in your, your, your younger uh, self, spiritual, your, your spiritually younger self used these tools, but now it's time to evolve them. Now it's time to be more social. It's mm-hmm. time to do things that are uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. that is self now. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting how this spirit game, this self-honoring is becoming more mature in different contexts. Mm-hmm. So I'm just enjoying the play of forward motion and just seeing how holding myself accountable to honoring myself on all these different levels is changing my life. Wow. You know what I'm thinking about? One, I was almost thinking of asking you to tell that story of being in line to buy your airline ticket and stepping out of line. I was so moved to hear that the other day. But um, what, I, what I'm thinking about is um, at, at this point in my own life, I find that um, because I'm so committed, you know, I guess I, I use the word committed for lack of a better term. I'm surrendered, I guess is a better term. To, to following. I, I, I think you've heard me say a million times that I just don't drive. I haven't made, it, I haven't made a major decision uh, on my own uh, in, in, in decades, really. I mean, I kind of look at what's happening and respond, but I find that the universe makes right whatever I do. It's, really, it's almost like I can't fail. Even if I do something that I think, eh, that wasn't so great. You could have done better at that. <laughs> the universe makes good out of it. I learned something or something. I don't know, but anyway, anyway, that's what I was thinking. Um, I, I don't know if you were you were you going to respond to that. Yeah, I mean, I I think um, I love that concept of of not being able to fail. I think that that is part of looking at you know the huge picture of you know ways that you know someone said something to me the other day that there were no mistakes. That the yeah. idea of saying that I. Uh, and making a mistake is dishonoring the fact that whatever decision you made led you closer to your actual your self-actualization or exactly. your true highest, your, your honoring of yourself. So I'm um, getting into the practice of that, of just truly saying that every motion, every stroke, every action that I make in this life is a part of my tapestry. And, and I might not like that particular color next to that particular color, but when I step back and I look at the full yes. Yes. image, yes. it's something that's way beyond, I, you know, way beyond what I could imagine. So <laughs> I think it's <laughs> surrender. I think that I love that you surrender, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to tell you this quick um, thing I read and then um, you can see if, see if you want to say more. <laughs> I was reading this uh, little story in a book, one of the books I'm reading and um there was a frog in a well and the frog had spent his entire life in the well. And so a frog from the ocean finds his way there somehow and he jumps into the well and he says, hi. And the guy, the guy, the frog in the well says, where are you from? Where are you from? He says, I'm from the ocean. He says, what's an ocean? He says, he says, oh, it's just this huge, amazing, endless 
complex, beautiful. He tries to explain the ocean to the frog in the, in the well. And the frog says, eh, nothing like that exists. He said, come on, I'll show you for real, it does. So the frog in the well follows the uh, other frog and he gets to the ocean and he says, see, I told you. And the frog from the well looks at the ocean and his head explodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that's like, it's like he can't even take it in. It's like, what? That escalated quickly. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but anyway, uh, do you have anything else to add, Zuri? Um, I just, I'm, I'm not really. I, I, think it, I think what you said sums up so much about um, the levels of, of surrender to the self, right? And just making that something that's a beautiful practice. And it comes from, you know, slowly digging out the self. And, uh, yes. and finding the tools that do that. And then it becomes just fun. It is fun. To honor yourself. It becomes fun. Yeah, to, to honor yourself. And then also to facilitate other people doing it. Because you don't, yes. all, it becomes, you don't want to be the only one you who's honoring be. yourself. You, you can't, can't be. be right? You can't be. The moment yeah. you start to honor yourself, you, you change the energy all around you. Just as you said, right? You said, every time I honor myself, well, it might mix. It changes everybody, everybody who's connected to me. You really can't. Anyway, I guess we should close by saying all of these possibilities, like the ocean, are there. Mm -hmm. And the first step is to clear out the clutter that's preventing what is what you are anyway? This is you would you would you would join this higher play world naturally once you get beyond those roadblocks. Would you agree, Zuri? Absolutely. So, anyway, thanks for listening to us. Um, we hope you'll join us again, and we'll let you know when we do another podcast. Thanks again for listening. Have a beautiful, beautiful time. <laughs> yes, wherever you are—morning, evening, night. So long. <laughs>